I'm your host, Braylon Williams, and welcome to another episode of Enneagram Historic Podcast. For my faithful listeners, thank you once again for listening. For my new listeners, I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, this is it. This is the very last episode of Season 1. Okay, it's been a great time. Uh, time has flown by, honestly. You know, Episode 1 just dropped on March 25th and just to, and to think here I am recording putting out this last episode uh, it, just wow but anyway to close out this first season of Enneagram Restore podcast I just want to take some time out to talk about both the successes and the failures of this first season um and then, and we're also going to step back in a in our little time machine, uh, and and we're going to take a little uh, glance back at some of my favorite in the top three episodes, uh, and also tell you uh, some things that you can expect to hear and you know get excited for in season two. Um, so let's get started, shall we? So let's talk stats, okay? So unfortunately, there were season one did not go how I would have dreamed it to went or to you know number wise think of it to go. Um, and so, but I say this, I say that to say that even though a lot of the goals that I set for the first season of Any Grammar Star Podcast did not, we did not reach those goals. Um, it, it doesn't mean it's the end, okay? I, I know that, you know, especially for a podcast, it's very typical that you set these goals, but you fall short of them. Um, if not, if you even get to cross the starting line, per se. But I can tell you this, that since the very first episode of any grammar store podcast, this podcast has been played a total of 283 times. So that means that for the 14 episodes that are already out there, people have listened to them at least 283 times. That's a lot. It's not what I would have expected for this first season, but it's still a lot. And so I'm thankful for that. And for all you people who have listened 283 times, thank you. It's kind of funny though. I was looking at um, the demographics of where people listen uh, last night as I was putting the finishing touches on this uh, script. And, and it was shocking though. Majority of listeners for this podcast listen from New Jersey. Now, me being who I am, being from Tennessee and residing in Missouri for college, I, I, I thought maybe, you know, all right, so there's going to be a higher listener um, support from Tennessee or Missouri. I was wrong. Um, New Jersey has about, takes the lead, I think it was a 34% um, demographic of that. Um, and so, yeah, to everybody in New Jersey who listens to any grammar store park, any grammar store podcast. Thank you. Um, 
keep up the good work because, you know, we might need to meet someday. I can't do a Jersey accent, but thank you. Um, all right. Um, if I could do a Jersey accent, I would say thank you in New Jersey. But anyway, anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, all right. Just think you, you are going to for a couple of months, you're going to miss out on these wild tangents that go on. So this is the last time to enjoy those tangents. But anyway, let's continue on. So before I released or actually before I even started working on um, the first episode for this podcast, I, I set some goals. And I was, like I said, I had three main goals. Unfortunately, did not reach those goals um, in this first season. But I had three goals. The first goal was that I wanted to have 500 unique listeners. So kind of give you a thought of what unique listeners mean. So unique listeners are different from listeners. So unique listeners are, you know, so every time somebody plays any grammar store podcast on a different device, that's a unique listener, you know, um, every time there's a new IP that listens to the podcast, that's a new listener. So for instance, say my sister, if she would have listened from her phone, she would have been counted as a new listener. But say, then again, she also listened from her laptop. She would have been, even though it's the same person, she still would have been counted as a unique person. So that's what, that's the difference between a unique listener and a listener. And I had that idea of 500 people, uh, unique listeners. Um, so, which essentially means that 500 different devices um, were used to listen to this podcast. But unfortunately, like I said, have had to go with 500, but only it, it was only seven um, unique listeners, unfortunately. But it's still, in my mind, that's still a pretty good number, especially for the first season of a podcast that um, it has a different concept than other podcasts about the same topic. So I... I see it as a, even though it did not reach the goal, I still see it as a good um, success. The second goal that I set was to have 30 loyal listeners. And so what does that mean? A loyal listener is somebody who every week are, you know, maybe every other week, but they have a repeated habit to listen to episodes of any Grammar Store podcast. You know, maybe they listen, they listen week to week or, every two weeks and you know they're just loyal they listen to a majority of the episodes i had that in mind as to go for loyal listeners 30 at the outset of this podcast again unfortunately i did not meet that goal because i only had five loyal listeners and so but then again like i said even though it did not meet my goal i still see it as a success because like i said this it's a first season, and not only that, this is the first season of a podcast that uh, there's a lot of podcasts about the Enneagram, but here's a podcast that deals with the Enneagram in a different light. So not a lot of people are searching, per se, for what I'm doing here, but hopefully one day they will be. So has to hope. All right. And so the last goal that I had set was to have the post that I put on social media about episodes of in your star podcast and all that to have all those shared for a total at least 200 times on social media so uh, unfortunately stayed at zero on that goal but like i said again even though it did not meet my goal i am not surprised by it because it is something that is to be expected of a podcast um 
in the first season, or really even just anything in the first season of podcast or TV show or anything, you might have these goals, but you know, as creators, we know that um, there's a high likelihood that at the beginning, at the first season of whatever it is, that might not meet that goal. So that is something uh, we know all too well. But anyway, so the top three episodes listened to in this first season uh, were episode two, and that was an episode where I interviewed my friend Cameron Salazar, who is a type two, kind of strange how that worked out, episode two, type two. Anyway, um, but that was the number one episode that was listened to the most. Um, The second most listened to episode was episode four, which was was about type eight, the challengers. Um, And then the last uh, episode that was listened to the most, or the third episode that was listened to the most, was episode five, which talked about type nines as, and we know those people as the peacekeepers. All right, so... I want to do something a little unique. Um, so what we're going to, let's just, you know, now we're going to step into our DeLorean and go back in time to episode two. So let's listen to this segment from Cameron's interview. Well, all right. So my next question for you is how has knowing your Enneagram type changed how you engage with other people? Yeah. So it's really kind of depending on the atmosphere. At least I'd say that I can get rambunctious <laughs> for, <Yes>. the, <laughs> yeah. for the better or for the worse. Yeah. So knowing my Enneagram type and understanding that, again, tying back to the whole um, recognition thing, it's helped me almost like suppress that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I feel like in times when it's inappropriate, it's important that I realize that, okay, now's not the time to be like the funny one in the room or whatever. You know what I mean? It's, um, it's just this important thing that I've realized is it's allowed me to discern that that's the word I'm looking for. It's allowed me to discern those moments and, um, do something about it. Now, granted, you know, when I, if I ever do want to like, if we're, if I sense that the atmosphere is one that calls for like, we're just going crazy or whatever. Kind like, of like sure. today. Seriously. <laughs> um, Little background story there we cannot tell you right now, but <laughs> just know today was a good day. It was, it was fun. But yeah, and that's honestly like where I thrive, I say, is when I can just not like suppress myself at all and just like live in the moment. But knowing my Enneagram has helped me discern those moments, yeah. for lack of better words. <laughs> yes. So... That's great. And is I'm a person who is all about changing the atmosphere. If I had a saying, if it's if the atmosphere is not how you want it to be, you should be the force that leads it to be better. Right. If the atmosphere is horrible, you should be the first one to step up and what just knowing how you engage before and after your type it is very crucial too. And I never knew this, but when I started getting into it, it's like, it's very crucial to knowing that. Um, so, but yeah, any additional things that you have, that's all the questions I have. So any additional comments or like questions you got 
for me. Yeah, so totally coincidentally, I was going to ask you pretty much the same question. Um, has knowing your Enneagram type changed the way that you interact with people? Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm curious, because I know there's some people who, they basically change their whole personality, you know, revolving around their type. I do think that that's a little unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. I, again, like you said, it's not something that should define you. But anyways, I was curious. So actually, it has and it's still changing me too, mm. which is always should be. It should always be changing you. Um, but so I'm an eight, which we are known as eights, ch the challengers. Um, so knowing my type and knowing like, oh, this just even having like, oh, you're an eight, you're the challenger and seeing oh, you like to challenge people's opinions and everything. It really has opened my eyes because like mm. I would be the one you're talking, I'm challenging everything you're saying, fact checking in my head. Could that be true? Possibly. I'm gonna have to go look that up later. Right. Uh, I have a old pat youth pastor who coined it well for me. Um, so I am the person who will put a controversial topic on Facebook and sit back and watch everybody else go huh. at it in the comments and only step in if it gets out of two hands. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know where I stand on it, but I want to see y'all fight. Right. So <laughs> I will challenge the, the ground. I mean, it, even with the, before I did this podcast, the Enneagram Restored podcast, and it was Digging Deep podcast, like the entirety of that podcast was based on the fact, all right, I'm going to challenge your uh, current opinions by presenting you with the facts and facts you probably did not know about. Right. So it wow. changed that aspect. But also one of the biggest things about ace, and there are a lot of other types too, but ace are one of the top people who struggle with showing emotions and being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so that, which I'm going to talk more about that in the next episode, but that has been something where like I, I've, since knowing that I'm like, all right, let's do things to try to combat this and be more open right. and allow a lot of people into my life more. Have I gotten to where I want to go yet? Not at all. <laughs> hey man, we're all we're all growing. <laughs> we I'll get there one day, hopefully. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's kind of funny. I've always been the most intimidated by eights, just for that very reason. Like I feel like you guys aren't afraid to just like light the fire and just step back. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And in a sense, especially in today's culture, like I appreciate that. You know, there's even you know you and I, Braylon, we've had conversations that stemmed more so towards like events going on in our world and stuff that you've been able to kind of help me understand in a, not just uh the right perspective but a christian one as well um yes. so yeah and i tell you though being a challenger is even before i knew my enneagram type my knowledge my thinking was i'm not going to speak on a topic before I've done at least some bit of research to right. do it because how can I challenge somebody's opinions without knowing the facts myself? Right. There's too many people nowadays. But I tell you, I've done it a couple of times and people still believe me. Right. So if you can just put on good enough poker face, you can change anybody's opinion. Yeah, true. So that's awesome. But anything else? Yeah, you know what? That was really all that I had written down. Well, Wait, really quickly, one more question. What's your favorite type besides your own? Oh. <laughs> favorite type. I'm going to, for me, I'm going to say mine is probably just a two, just because I'm biased, but every single two that I know is just a solid person. I only know two of them as of now. 
but <laughs> I might. I both might, of them are cool. <laughs> so I might be a little bit biased on mine too, right. because it it actually is. I, I would say it's my wing, the sevens. Okay, uh, and this it's because little little unintentional promo here as a travel agent <laughs> oh there it is <laughs> and as just somebody who loves exploring that's that's what sevens are about they're enthusiasts they like to go different routes right you know just uh, about a week or so ago i was out location scouting for an event and i've been to this there's this park i've been to a lot of times but like i've never actually followed the trail the walking trail and i was like you know what I'm just going to keep on walking and see where this leads. Bad decision because I ended up walking six miles that day. Oh, my word. <laughs> and was not Good prepared for, you, for it. Did not stretch, did not do anything to prepare for a six-mile walk. And so wow. even now, I can still feel my butt just a little bit tight. But <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Hey, that's good for you. It means you're growing. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I would say sevens because they, yeah. they venture people. Like, it doesn't seem like it on the outside, but I am one of those people like, I like adventure. Like, yeah. I'm going to, you know, let's do this. Let's go out. Nice. You know, if I had friends, I, I, I was, I would be one of the people who were like, you know, all right, it's midnight. Let's go to the cemetery. <laughs> just, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> just to see what happens. I know. Will, will the dead come to life? <laughs> but, hey, speaking of tonight, want to go to a cemetery? <laughs> hey, I'm down. Dude, all right. <laughs> Well, so as always, it, it was great talking to you, and I, yeah, man. I hope to have you again. Absolutely, dude. Anytime. So we'll see. Got a lot. Got a lot more of the guests coming on. Got Adam coming. Oh yeah. So he'll be great. Discuss that about. And so he cool. is. If I remember right, a three. I think you're right because I I think we've talked about that before. So it's so funny because I feel like me and him are so opposite in so many ways, but yet so. you're so close together. <laughs> exactly. It'll be really interesting to hear what he has to say. I, and if I think he's a wing too, so I it would make sense if he was at least. I think that's where the opposites might come so. in. So, but yeah, great talking with you, and you know. So, I thought I had another question coming for you that I did not have prepared, but I lost <laughs> what it was. So, we're, oh, you made me laugh when I took a drink. <laughs> we're just going to say that's the that, that's it. Praise Jesus. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that um, little segment of his interview. Um, you can go back and listen to the full episode. Uh, like I said, that was episode two. So I encourage you, if you like what you heard there, um, go back, listen to the full episode. And I hope you just enjoyed that little glimpse going back in time. That was the second episode uh, of Any Game Star Podcast. So that was in early uh, April. So just to think, a lot of time has passed since then. And here we are, the last episode. But anyway, our next stop back in time is to episode four. Uh, just listen to these practical ways that type eights can combat unhealthy habits. There are some more practical ways for any eight um, to combat unhealthy habits. And the first one is that 
just take time to stop to and think about what it is you're thinking and what it is you're feeling before you make a decision. As part of the gut triad, eight eights are notorious for about acting on the first instinct, acting on the first emotion, acting on that gut level. So step back, take some time. What is it that you're thinking? What is it that you're feeling? Think about those things before you make a decision as an eight. Also, as an eight, learn that vulnerability is a strength and not a weakness. And discover that, discover your limits. <laughs> as eights, often, more than not, we frequently push ourselves past our limits. And as eights, we're often unaware of when it, the times we push ourselves past our limits. So pay attention to that. Pay, pay attention to your mental and emotional state and just allow yourself as an eight time to rest and recover. Also, be more intentional about giving love to others and be more intentional about receiving love from love from others more openly. This is this is also one of those things that I'm working on myself as an eight. And I highly encourage you to, if you're an eight that's listening to this podcast episode right now, to work on this is about that intentionality of giving and receiving love more openly. And lastly, one of the more practical ways that as a type eight that you and I can um, combat unhealthy habits is just allow people to take the lead sometimes. You know, as eights, we have this desire. We have this um, basic fear of losing control, and which is more control over our lives, but somehow will still um, seep into other aspects, you know, control of, you know, the situation, control over the event, control over the task, even but because if that goes wrong, then somehow it seeps back into our lives and we lose the sense of control of that we don't have control over our lives. So just sometimes step step back and allow somebody to take the lead in the group. Allow somebody to take the lead on hosting the event. Allow somebody to take the lead over cooking the dinner and hosting the, the get together. Those are just some really practical ways that as eights that you can combat those unhealthy habits. As an eight myself, I really, as I was like putting um, that script together for that episode and I was like, all right, here's some, it's like, okay, why am I not using these practical tips myself? Because I'm an eight and I felt this way. And like, okay, so even though I put the episode together and I, and I did the episode, and, you know, I prepared the episode, I recorded the episode, I've started using those tips myself too. So if you're an eight and you're listening, I hope you will take into account these tips and you start using them. You'll find your own that will help you to combat these unhealthy ways. Great tips there. And there's also great tips that you can find online as well. And there's also great tips within your own intellect that you can create that works best for you. So but we want to make one last stop back in time. And that final stop is to episode five. So let's go back in time and find out about the common traits of type nine. <laughs> 
so you want to know peace huh? um, then I highly suggest I highly encourage you to get you a friend who is a tight knot because tight knives are just natural born peacemakers they're natural born mediators and it comes in part with um, the fact that their core motivation is peace their core motivation is harmony they they are it, it just resides within them from this fear, as I stated in early episodes, that they desire peace and harmony because of the fear of separation, uh, mainly from this, um, this fear of separation stems from the idea that if they assert themselves, if they assert their own opinions, if they assert their own views, their own um, priorities, then people will cut away from them. And so any assertion of themselves leads to being separated from people. So they strive to keep the peace. But a friend who is a type nine, if people who are type nines, this this desire for peace, this this motivation for harmony comes at a cost to their personal development, um, which this translates into the nine's deadly sin. And I'll talk more about what that daily sin is later on in this episode. But for right now, I want you to know that nines have a very calm and collected demeanor. They're probably the person who seems like a hippie almost. All right, dude. As for, you know, we all have that one friend who like kind of seems hippie. Whether or not they're nine depends. But I, I guess you can kind of say if you have a nine friend who's a hippie, then they go together. I mean, hippies are pretty chill and relaxed. And that's pretty much the entitlement not entitlement, but the uh, the details of how a nine kind of is. Nines are calm, collected, relaxed. You know, they want peace. They don't look for conflict. They just settle into the harmonies of life that are going smoothly. They go with the flow of life. Nines have this natural ability to diffuse conflict with ease and they are pretty much liked by everybody they come in contact with. It's easy to like a nine. Why so? Because they don't go against the grain. They don't like give you heartache for your opinions. You, you If you have a different opinion from a nine, they will not let you know. So that's why Oftentimes, a lot of people like nines because, you know, people don't have to worry about, oh, if I like this person, I'm going to be, they're going to work my nerves because they just won't agree with me. On the contrary, people like nines just for that fact because nines like to keep the peace. So oftentimes, a nine will agree with people even if personally they don't have that belief. They will agree just to keep the peace. And so in addition to uh, these characteristics, nines are also self-forgetting, ambivalent, passive-aggressive, and have a difficulty prioritizing. But to know what those characteristics means, let, let's start by talking about the self-forgetting trait. All right, so the trait of a nine being self-forgetting means that they forget their own opinions. Again, this translates to the daily sin of sloth. And I, like I said, I'll talk more about that later on in this episode. But Nines are self-forgetting to their own opinions, their own priorities, their own preferences. 
again, this trait, this characteristic stems from their fear of being separated from people if they assert themselves too much. This, this, this trait stems from the fact that as children, they receive this message of, you know, it's not okay to assert yourself, just go with the flow. And in addition to that, in addition to being self-getting, knives are often torn between wanting to please people and wanting to defy people. And so, which causes a nine to be ambivalent. And so, if you don't know what ambivalent means, just like I didn't know, so I had to look it up, it, it means that you really don't have a set thought or feeling on something. You, you kind of sway, you know, you're not firm in one way or the other. You're on the fence, uh, for lack of a better term. And so, knives are just ambivalent when it comes to decision making, which which typically means that nines sit on the fence and they just agonize, they rehash, they, they think over and over about what to do until finally someone else makes the choice. So a nine will sit back and just agonize in their mind over what is the right choice to allow somebody else to finally make that decision. A nine is pretty much not comfortable with making decisions because, again, that, 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 means that they have to assert themselves. That means that they have to like go against their own grain per se. So which goes even deeper into this fact that they have this difficulty to prioritize. And so in order to distract themselves from identifying their own life priorities, nines will often focus on the non-essential tasks before the non-essential task and uh, priorities before they even tackle their uh, the things that need to be done before they even tackle taking on the more essential task um, and priorities in their life. So it, again, all, all these traits, all, all these characteristics stem from the, the uh, they, it stems from this, you know, childhood message that again, I talked about in episode three, but uh, it stems from this childhood message that uh, it's not okay to assert yourself. Go with the flow because if you assert yourself, people will not like you. And so you'll be separated from people, which that then does not create peace. But let's talk a little bit about the, the stress and security of nine. So again, each type has two other numbers that it correlates with as far as stress and security so each type during a period of stress or disintegration goes to another number or vice versa when a type it is is experiencing security is experiencing growth they go to a different number so those numbers for type nines is six and three so within a a time a period of stress a time period of disintegration nines become more like unhealthy sixes. They become anxious and worried. During this time period of disintegration, nines often become hysterical and pessimistic. But on the flip side of that, during times of growth, during times of security, nines become more like healthy threes by becoming more self-developing and energetic. So that's just... That's good because, again, a healthy... 
during security, during growth, they're becoming like healthy threes, becoming self-developing, becoming energetic. Really want to point out the self-developing part is that as a typical nine, they don't think it's okay to assert themselves, but as they grow, they become self-developing and they begin to assert themselves more and more. They begin to live out their true identity. They begin to uh, prioritize themselves, their own preferences, their own opinions. So it's it's just a good thing overall. Hey, it's your host, Braylon Williams. Uh, I just want to say thank you for listening to Enneagram Restored Podcast. Unfortunately, though, this episode is the last episode of season one. But don't worry. (laughs) I don't know when yet, but there will be a season two. In in the second season, I, I will cover the wings of each type, and I'll even do a series about each type in relationships. Since I don't know when the second season will begin to be released, you can just follow me on Instagram to stay up to date for when the second season will start. My Instagram handle is in the podcast description, so go ahead and check that out. Give it a follow so you can always be up to date on when the second season will release. And again, I just want to say thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of this recap episode. All right, let me give the 411. I want to give you the rundown of what season two is going to look like. But before I do that, I've got some great news, some exciting news for you. I have a date set for the premiere of season two, okay? Hold your, contain your excitement. I know it's a lot. (laughs) I'm excited. It took a lot of planning to get this date set, and I hope it sticks, but there is still just a lot of variables at play that could change this date, so, but that's why I can't really tell you the exact date just yet, but I can tell you that season two will premiere this fall. I mean, come on, somebody. That deserves a hand clap. I wish I had like a little crowd noise. Woo! You know, (laughs) season two is going to premiere this fall. It's going to be great. And now let me tell you what you can expect to hear in season two. So season two will, like I said, premiere in the fall. And the first episode will be an interview with my friend, Adam Kennedy. Um, This is actually an interview that we planned a long time ago. But, you know, just the way life has worked out, didn't get to do it. So hopefully I can do that as the premiere episode with him. Uh, We'll schedule that and we'll get it worked out. That's going to be a fantastic episode. It's always great to have uh, my college buddies on the show. Uh, You can tell what a blast we have if you go back and listen to Cameron's interview in episode two of season one. But and after Adam's, after the premiere episode's, of season two, the first episode of season two, episode two of season two will begin a three episode series about the wings of each Enneagram type. So for three episodes, beginning with episode two, I'm going to take an in-depth view of every wing of the Enneagram. 
So, you know, it's going to be a lot because there are nine types of the Enneagram. And out of the nine types, there are two possible wings for each type. So we're going to jam-pack all that information into three episodes somehow. Um, don't know how yet, but it's going to work out. And it's going to be fantastic. And then after that, episode five will be the kickoff to a nine-episode series. So in episode five, I will be interviewing a friend of mine, Meredith Boggs, which will kick off this nine-episode series about relationships in the Unigram, all right? So it's going to be fantastic. There is a lot in store for season two. There is a lot of great stuff that's going to happen in season two. And so, and I can tell you this, this is just all that I have planned right now. There is the likelihood that there can be some more things to happen in season two. So be on the lookout on my social media. When season two listens, just, you know, Tune in with intent to hear for new things happening each episode, each episode, because like I said, this is just all that I have planned for season two right now, but there can be some new additions made as time goes along. I've got some, yeah, I just got a lot of ideas, but this is all I have planned right now. So uh, as you can tell, season two is a jam-packed season already. It's going to be a lot of good information. And I just can't wait to get to share it with you all. It's going to be a fantastic time. It's going to be great. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Um, we're going to take a break, and it's going to be great. You know, I'm going to take a break for a couple of months, but I'm still going to be writing the show. I'm still, I'm still going to be doing stuff, and, and just, you know, I'll be putting out episodes every week and gonna have a little break from each other. I won't be you won't be hearing my voice every week. I know that's upsetting. Should, <laughs> should have like a baby crying in the background. You won't hear my voice every week. Kinda sad for a couple of months. But I'm still gonna be right. I'm still gonna be working on the show, putting everything together. And then we're gonna come back in season two. It's gonna blow the roof off this place, alright? It's gonna be great. <laughs> Well, folks, that is it. That concludes the first season of Enneagram Restore Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's been great. And if you can't tell, I'm excited. I kind of wish I had some crowd noise going on right now. You know, hand claps, you know, bullhorn going because like, I am excited. I am over the moon. I, I, I can't wait to be back for season two. It's going to be great. And I can't. Woo! I am just, if you could see me right now, you will see the energy flowing through my body. And I am like hyperactive right now because I am just so excited for season two. I'm so excited. It's been a fantabulous first season. 15 episodes total after today. Thank you. Thank you for a good first season. And like I said, I'm excited. I hope you're excited for season two. I can't wait to be back with you all in the fall. It's going to be great. And if you are a loyal listener, if you know what I'm about to say next, as I always say before I end the episode, I invite you to say this with me. Remember that the Enneagram doesn't define you, but it does bring restoration. It helps reshape your thinking and habits. 
I'll see you guys in season two.